You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome to Riverdale gang, the watch-along critical commentary podcast. We still haven't smoothed out our prose, I guess. No, eh? we haven't. I, th- I also have a cold, so I can be <laughs> forgiven everything. <laughs> uh, we are recorded here on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Um, we were just chatting about some distinctions in territory acknowledgements. Yeah, um, which actually reminds me of a conversation I was having last night that I would like to bring into the discussion. Yeah. Um, I heard the Hunkaminam-speaking people's territory acknowledgement in Richmond, which for anyone who doesn't know the lower mainland of um, this part of the Pacific Northwest very well. It's like Brooklyn. Is, is kind of like Brooklyn if Vancouver is New York. <laughs> if um, Vancouver's Manhattan. If Vancouver's Manhattan. Yes. My family's from Manhattan. (laughs) It's a mistake we make. You're double Manhattan. Anyway, we were just reflecting on how um, Richmond might have a different land acknowledgement. It's it's across the river. Mm. And so um, we don't know that there is... um, uh, I guess the what the protocol is. What the protocol is, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like kind of uncomfortable about the um, acknowledgement anyway, because the two people giving it were um, settlers, and um, they said, on behalf of the Musqueam Nation, we welcome you to the ancestral territory, unceded mm-hmm. ancestral territory of the Hunkaminam speaking peoples. And that, on behalf of, mm-hmm. makes me feel a little weird. So, interesting quirk. The lower mainland Vancouver um, is, is a huge, diverse geography, and there is this um, whole secondary geography of First Nations in the region um, because it was such a, a, a resource-rich, central region. Um, there were all these little nations. Um, and so, where whereas where I grew up in Alberta... Um, we can say, um, Treaty 8 Cree and Dene Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, that's because we settled on land of traditionally nomadic people, huge swaths of land mm-hmm. that chunk out in modern maps very well. Um, though we didn't really bother to follow the treaties in our maps anyway, who are we kidding? Um, <laughs> but here in Vancouver, there are, um, uh, in the lower mainland, there are multiple, multiple nations that both share territory and central meeting spaces, Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, upriver, downriver. Um, I was doing a little research this, uh, for a show this weekend in Mission, um, and in, uh, Coquit... No, not Coquitlam, uh, Chilliwack, uh, last weekend, and, um, looking at the proper protocol for acknowledging the, uh, the Stolo Nation, um, of, uh, on which territory uh, that city is, that's sort of... I don't want to say it's on New Jersey because it's not at all like New Jersey, but it's geographically like where New Jersey is. No, New Jersey's actually closer to Manhattan than Chilliwack and Mission is to us. Um, Chilliwack and Mission are are like the part of Vermont that you can commute to by train. (laughs) Okay, um, And work in the city. (laughs) I'm glad there's actually a parallel. Thanks, Chloe, for your your American translation. (laughs) I'm grateful. Um, So, Vancouver specifically, there's a great cooperation between these three nations who traditionally share this territory. Um, It is sometimes mistakenly acknowledged as Stolo territory, even Mm, though mm -hmm. uh, apparently that uh, they're... 
traditional terrains are further upriver, so it's a common settler mistake. Um, And there are a number of other nations that are very, very close by, um, including on the land that Riverdale very likely films in Langley, south of Richmond. Um, All these territories have um, many other nations that I'm not nearly as as familiar with, um, the borders and uh, traditional territories. Um, There's a wonderful Instagram profile called at uh, Decolonial Atlas, and you will find maps not only of, I think, the Lower Mainland, mm-hmm. um, but you will also find that are fairly detailed. There's also NativeLand.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these will, if you're interested, and you should be, um, will give you more detail about the variety of nations that have occupied um, this area since time immemorial. So yeah, um, so I guess uh, being two settlers who frequently present land acknowledgments, I wanted to uh, unpack a little bit uh, with y'all because um, I thought it's it's an important process of uh, understanding just why it's such a complicated protocol uh, in this region specifically, um, yeah. but also why it is so important for us to suss out these nuances. Um, uh, we've long said um, Riverdale is filmed on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, um, but they are also most likely filmed on uh, many other nations' territories, given yeah. uh, the Tuwasan nation. Um, yeah, definitely on Tuwasan uh, Kukwa- nation from Coquitlam, Kwantlen. Um, yeah, lots yeah. of uh, southern coastal nations that are... Um, Related in many ways, yeah. uh, in many cultural ways, uh, under kind of a, uh, the the Coast Salish anthropological term, but um, with different language groups, with different hi- histories and territories. Yeah, I think like my sort of switching without um, doing any research, and now our switching back. Ryan having done some research also speaks to a problem in. Um, white liberalism among settlers where like if I hear another white settler doing something different I automatically assume I'm doing it wrong Mm, and um, and I also um, I also think I was talking about this last night which is um, with a with a friend which was like white liberalism has gotten so caught up on using the right words and it's not that using the I don't think using the right words is important I do but we're so caught up on that that we do a lot of pearl clutching and don't, like, focus on the bigger issues mm. in a lot of ways. And we also, I, I like, for myself, I know, like, if I, like, as I was saying, and without doing any research, I, like, assume, like, oh, no, I've done, I've done racism. I got to fix it immediately without, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like having that knee-jerk reaction. I think it's a big prob- well, we problem do, in white liberalism. Because we do a racism all the time accidentally. Yeah. And we do get... Uh, used to that being yeah uh, being a it is thing. Perf- it is perfectly safe for me to assume that I am doing a racism. Like that is um, <laughs> that is a safe assumption for me to make. But it's also um, good to talk comfortably about uh, these nuances and differences, and share knowledge and share sources. Um, a lot of what I uh, have learned about the Vancouver territorial acknowledgments comes from. Um, uh, Squamish Nation uh, elected councillor and spokesperson Kelsalin. Um, he has a very active Twitter presence, so he's mm. very accessible. Um, he's a young, younger uh, politician. He's around uh, about our age, maybe perhaps a oh, couple cool. of years older. And uh, he's heavily involved in um, the uh, 
land reclamation project at Squamish Nation where they're building 6,000 rental units in Vancouver. Um, as well as, um, he has worked very closely with a lot of local progressive uh, politicians. So, really prominent local candidate. Um, it, I think it's exciting to talk about uh, what are great sources to learn mm. about this passively without um, bugging a friend for intimate cultural details. Which There's... is actually, which is actually more passive in a lot of ways. Like well, it can in, be, yeah. In the sense of like more passive for the person doing the asking. Like, oh, you happen yeah. to be here, I will yeah. ask you, instead of making the effort to do it oneself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, some of my favorite um, Indigenous educators uh, are just, like, spewing information out there so freely and openly, and we just have to pay attention and look a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's a lovely uh, educator named Angus Anderson on Twitter. <laughs> um, Alajuk, I think, is his uh, Inuit name, and he's... he is doing this uh, Inuit Word of the Day Twitter account. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and it's entirely, you know, some days he'll say, hey, uh, who wants to learn how to say their name in, in Inuktitut? Hmm. And just has a conversation with whoever chimes in. Uh, and these lovely people uh, doing amazing, valuable work in um, language restoration and uh, outreach and communications to make this information accessible. Um, the, so a lot of you who are listening are probably like, why are we talking about this? And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you two reasons why. Uh, one of them is, uh, because it's an important conversation to have and mm -hmm. you should be having it, especially if you live on unceded territory or perhaps if you don't live on unceded territory even. Hey, but three also, viewers who are in Iran, according to oh, our yeah, stats. Hi, hi our, our three listeners in Iran. I really want to come visit your country one day. I mean, it um, might be a VPN because I'm pretty sure we don't have a listener in Pyongyang. That sounds unlikely. <laughs> that does sound unlikely. But if you're there. But if you're there, like, boy, are we rooting for you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Mm. Um, but the other reason I wanted, to, the, uh, the other reason um, I think it's important to, well, not blow up. I don't think it's important, but one of the reasons we have this, or I mm -hmm. want to have this conversation on this show. Mm hmm. Um, begins with an anecdote, and I'm going to tell you the anecdote, and then I'm going to come to my point. <laughs> and the anecdote is, um, I once saw an interview with a Musqueam elder, whose name I don't remember, I'll be honest, mm. um, who was talking about uh, the Fraser River, the Stalo River, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is a river that divides, um, in, in the colonial context, divides uh, Vancouver from Richmond. Mm -hmm. Um uh, the, uh, the Fraser River is the lifeblood of our people. And now whenever I bike over it, whenever I'm on an airplane and I'm flying in, whenever I see it on a map, mm. I think that. Mm -hmm. I can't unknow it. You know what I mean? Right. And I find that when I'm looking at Riverdale, the show, mm -hmm. and I see the land, the first thing in my head is like, what does that land mean to me? And what does that land mean to the people who've always lived here? I can't get it out of my head. I can't unknow it. Right. And I think that every time I see a movie shot in Vancouver, um, I can't unthink it. And I can't unconsider it. Right. Well, the Stolo River plays Sweetwater River. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Um, oh, is that Fraser? I, I think so. The Stolo River? Yeah. I'm, I'm not positive, and yeah. not necessarily every river. There are, there are several yeah. uh, rivers and coastlines here. But also that river, if it's shot in the Lower Mainland, is in unceded territory, and it has mm -hmm. a name that mm -hmm. isn't an English name. Yeah. Um, so. so yeah, this, yeah, I guess uh, we're... 
it's critical here for us in this space to um, to talk about the set of Riverdale um, and its in its history and fullness. Yeah. Um, while talking about this work, um, it's also standing in for a part of the United States um, that my family is from. It's sort of standing in for like the mm-hmm. north. East. Yeah, roughly. Um, and that is a very, very, very violent history. Mm-hmm. That area has a very violent history, which the show has touched on mm-hmm. once in season two. Yeah. Um, between indigenous peoples and settlers. That one time. Um, that one glorious time. <laughs> and um, it's it is unceded land standing in for a very different type of very different, a somewhat different context. Mm-hmm. And I think that that matters, to be honest. But Ryan and I are, like, pretty focused on these issues. <laughs> so, you know. Thanks for staying with us and uh, hopefully learning a little with us. Yeah. And um, uh, that's, uh, I guess, a little bit on why we spent the first ten minutes of our podcast yeah. uh, unpacking um, land acknowledgements. Yeah. Um, about the land that we're on, but about the land that that uh, is in Riverdale in yeah. every single shot as your set. Um, it is um, more than just that. Yeah. Yep. So. And also, um, uh, Ryan and I are settlers. Our perspective is limited. If you have feedback, we would love to hear it. Yeah. How about this episode? I love it. It's a Thanksgiving it. episode. I just realized we were talking about indigenous <laughs> issues, and it's a Thanksgiving episode. Well, isn't that timely, Chloe? Um, yes, timely. Happy accident. Uh, I have almost no connection to Thanksgiving as a tradition. Um, Thanksgiving is our excuse to make an extra turkey in my family. Yeah. But, um, like, okay, so I, 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 I come from a rural farm family, uh, generationally, big turkey or ham suppers are a normal thing during seeding or harvest or every Sunday or whenever someone's coming by. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so Thanksgiving's just sort of another one of those. Um, I remember making a fuss at the age of four because we had pheasants instead of turkey one year. Ooh, just, is pheasant good? Oh yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's a wild bird, so it's a little bit leaner. It's uh, oh, but okay. um, I've never yeah. had pheasant. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely game bird, dumb as rocks. <laughs> um, it's fascinating. They're they're the dumbest birds, but that's a total uh... tangent. Um, and delicious. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I don't really have. It didn't mean much to us, and Canadian Thanksgiving is sort of the secondary holiday that, um, I don't really know the history of it, but it's a for bit some lukewarm. reason... Canadian Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is, like, pretty lukewarm, and not just because Ryan and I run in circles where, like, Thanksgiving is the embodiment of evil. <laughs> yeah, even um, even in, like, my traditional Catholic family, Thanksgiving's sort of like, oh, is, is someone doing a turkey this year? Yeah. I guess we'll show up at Norman's. Okay, well, bring rolls or something. Yeah. I find Thanksgiving in my, like, I've never, even before I was, like, political and snarky, I, mm-hmm. like, never really liked Thanksgiving. It just sort of mm. felt like a, a, kind of a meh version of Christmas, mm. to be honest. I, but it's different than American Thanksgiving. For yeah. for my dad, like, who's American, like, Thanksgiving was the holiday. Like, mm-hmm. there are more planes in the air for people going home at Thanksgiving than there are um, 
mm-hmm. at Christmas in the United States. And to me, that is, like, just, like, it, um, I mean, I'm American, and I've been to, like, t- two maybe American Thanksgivings, and, like, it's just, I don't feel particularly connected to it, but I, it's, and it's sort of, like, fascinating in the same way that, like, lizards are, that it is <laughs> so important to my family. Mm. That, my American like lizards family. Are, I, I like that turn of phrase. Um, by the way, if I'm sounding weirdly British, it's because I've just binged The Crown season three and I can't oh, turn man. it off. Man, I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Uh, delightful. Um, it's the best act, best and only acting I've seen from Helena Bonham Carter in the last ten years. Best and only acting? Yeah, she hasn't really acted in anything, Tim Burton. I guess that's true. She just um, has to sort of... Walk and be. be great. Um, but anyway, Thanksgiving. Um, I think, uh, I find in Canada, at least in Western Canada, um, our Christmases fill a lot of the same slot as I see American Thanksgiving taking in, in media, uh-huh. in popular perception. Uh, I think we kind of roll it in together a bit more. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, uh, the obligatory dinner with extra fixings is at Christmas. And yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, negotiate yeah. it and... Couples split Christmas Eve and Christmas Day between different families, and that's that's all quite normal and discussed heavily for me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, I also mm-hmm. um, this movie or this movie this episode mm-hmm. is actually in reference to a movie that I think takes place at Thanksgiving called The Ice Storm, oh. in which a uh, teenager dies. A teenager dies in the ice storm. Hey, and so this whole foreshadowing. This whole episode, I was like, well. When's it gonna happen? It was just like the episode named Hereditary. Like I was like, okay, what, what, who's gonna die? Which kid is gonna die? Oh, fake out her. Um, so I, I wonder if they're these, just gonna keep doing that. These trolls. Um, I could only see um Tarantino's Hateful Eight. What? Oh, interesting. <laughs> this whole time. That's funny. And I was riveted. There is also a scene in The Ice Storm where two teenagers, a boy and a girl, have sex, and the girl is wearing a Richard Nixon mask, and I was wondering if there was going to be, like, any of that, and there was not, and I'm pleased. Yeah, we don't need to see that face. Ever. It's true. Except in deep, in-depth analyses of impeachment processes. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, so I didn't, I didn't love this episode, uh, Ryan did. I'm Oh, you're thrilled. trying to make a point about Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. Was I? Were you? I don't know. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Goodbye, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Goodbye, points. Um, sure, maybe I was making a point. Um, I think I was asking you a question at one point about Thanksgiving. Dear Ryan, may I have the Kleenex? Yes. I'm so sorry, Riverdale gang, you're gonna hear me blow my nose. I was hoping this wouldn't happen between us. Chloe's got a cold this week, but instead alas, of me. It is happening. Um, while Chloe sneezes, I'm having a dairy day. I I bought new lactose pills Ugh. that are easy to swallow. And um, now I'm having a whole milk mocha and cream cheese on my bagel. I'm so happy Life is for great. you, Ryan. Oh my god. I've been craving dairy as the sun vanishes from the sky in, in the near solstice. Yeah. Um, because it's past Thanksgiving for all the people. Um... Okay, the Thanksgivingness in the show, I really liked. Yeah, oh, interesting. All of the many moments there. Um, the, like, really low-key, bizarre, sweet 
Andrew's family Christmas? Well, low-key, except for that. Yeah, except for the gang assaults. Not Christmas. Welcome to Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved it. I got taught. I, I was touched. I, I, I felt it. Um, and, um, as I was saying, the, the Hateful Eight, um, with all full criticism of Tarantino, I am unabashedly delighted by that film in all of its problematic glory. Um, because it's just a collection of unabashed scoundrels schmushed together, <laughs> uh, monologuing at each other in sequence and in turn with reveals and twists and twists and twists and twists and twists. And so I was riveted watching this episode for the twists and twists and twists and reveals, and I was not remotely disappointed. It had as many uh. as I was anticipating. Um, and, uh, the Hateful Eight is, um, an interesting amalgam reference from Tarantino. It's a reference to sort of a, a bottle episode trope in westerns rather than being do- hmm. as quite as direct as, say, Kill Bill is this big old montage yeah. of visual references. Um, it's sort of, what if all these episodes were smushed together? And this, to me, was just a, what if all the Riverdale... Uh, bottle episode climax tension builds were smushed together and happened all at once. That's what the ice storm was. Hmm. And I was here for that tension. Um, I loved the reveals and the good decisions and the terrible decisions that came out of these tense confrontations. And how much plot was driven forward and charged up this hmm. episode. Okay, okay, um, okay. This is the first episode all season where... I did not feel like we were brushing off any silly detrius from the last three years. At all. Interesting. Um, okay. And if if anything, that silly detrius was golden frosting uh-huh. at bizarre and inappropriate moments that made me laugh. Okay. All right. Let's do it. I'm sold. Let's do it. All right, gang. Ready to watch along? After that long political discourse. Yes. If you are uh, watching on Netflix, uh, we're going to sync up our Badoom like we always do. And if you're not, Godspeed. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the recap sync is for. Anyway, uh, three, two, one, and a Netflix Badoom. Previously on Riverdale. So, did you notice that the sister just sort of drops out of the episode partway through? Did yeah, she go to yeah, the airport? Yeah, Is yeah, that what yeah. happened? I... What happened to Hermosa? <laughs> I mean, her dad ditched her for Thanksgiving, so that's on brand. Yeah. Maybe that's part of... No, they're never going to remember that. Maybe she's sad somewhere. I hope she's sad somewhere. Uh, what? Brewing up a revenge. Okay, so bring up is, a revenge, this is yes. A refer- that, what, that death was a reference to um, hereditary, more hereditary spoilers. Mm. Um, they, that's how they get the body to put the eighth king of hell in. He jumps out a window. Sure. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, sure, sure, sure. Um, so, uh, oh, the other thing was, I also recognize Dodger's mom from Ooh. somewhere, so we need to look that up in the credits. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ryan and I were talking about this before the episode started, um, this little montage, like... It's so weird. Yeah. They've never used random vintage montages like this before. Yeah. Um, but then they lead into this big, melodramatic, very cinematic sequence. Yeah. Um... It's 
I'm taking it as a, as a genre or not that I'm not fully recognizing. Um, but it also, I guess, stylistically, energetically, leads well into this sweeping, very dynamic, um, flowing sequence look of how time passing. Bummed out Hermione looks here. Well, that was her desk. Yeah. That was her desk. True. That's but, true. I forgot. Uh huh. Um, yeah, this woman looks familiar. I can't remember from where. Mm. But I love, I love this, like, kind of trashy, but, like, like, very tight-knit family vibe thing going on here. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, she reminds me of one of the, the leads in, in Hateful Eight. Very oh, much. interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Veronica's anger here. So it, good. It's so palatable. Yeah. Totally, and he deserves it. Like this, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so over this villain. I just want him to die. I really like that uh, we skipped um, five steps of manipulation here in this time skip. Um, Hiram is mayor now. Veronica has already obviously tried and failed at a few things in a few ways, um, and is chugging right along. Um, we're we're jumping to the meat of the yeah. conflict. Because we've 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 played this song before. Sorry, Riverdale gang. <laughs> um, and then the community center. Yeah. This was the this was um perhaps the first round of charity that felt a bit less hollow to me in that yeah. um holiday communal meals and uh, emergency shelters are absolutely services that are necessary and lacking in small cities and communities especially. Um. They didn't undercut the need because ice storms and holidays yeah. are times of particular heightened charity participation. And yeah, need. it's true. Should be a nice year-round thing, but here we are. Yeah. Um, uh, no grief council. Nope, just hand wave, hand wave. Hand wave, hand wave. No flinch as to how eerie, creepy, unreactionary, and chill the rest of the class is about this suicide. Yeah, well, we're, I feel like that sort of is something they grapple with in the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, by the way, when uh, at Archie's uh, thing, they say that Monroe's grandma is going to cook, and then I don't remember seeing her, so we'll have to look for her. Yes, let's watch. Let's look for her. Also, <laughs> these two seem pr- surprisingly chill, given that Mr. DuPont basically threatened him. <clears throat> yeah. Well, they kind of threatened each other, I guess. Like how much is how much is this Jughead choosing to play along? Like how I mean, how much be. is he the Alice Cooper of this season? <laughs> um, like there's the sneaky sneaky watchy eyes. Yeah. Good long shot to show that he has some sense of how messed up. Yeah. This is. Um, I really love how cute. Um, these two especially, but really all the couples in this episode are. Yeah. They're all pretty. Pretty straight for the most part. Yeah. Except for our Cheryl and Tony creep fest, which, you know, I just signed on for. Yeah. But there was a lot of cute romantic dynamics and just, like, unabashed excitement. Yeah. That was a nice, um, a nice twist on the Riverdale sexy angle. Yeah. I, um, I don't know how easy it is to just stay at your school with no adult supervision and then invite your girlfriend to stay in your dorm room. I don't know about that. I don't know. 
this gives me hope that we're going to have like a really good Christmas special, which they kind of did last year. And it's a British tradition, I know, oh, but yes. America, get on board, get on it. It works. Um, so yeah. this normal, this new normal, I like it of Cheryl and Tony's lives. Also, someone's watching you. I love that seed of foreshadowing for what I really think is our overarching plot. Everyone feels like someone's watching them. Yeah. The videotapes. And yeah. we have several false flags. Oh, Andy Cricket's watching. Aha, we've solved that. Yeah. And, like, not that that isn't a real, real problem for these two. Just, what a great thing, Tony. We can hide the body. Yay! I am distracted by how good-looking all of that produce is. Yeah. Um, I show my true colors. Also, Hungry? I have never heard of the, no, just like <laughs> I like a good vegetable because I'm a big dork who likes farm farmers markets. Mm. Um, what is what is deep the deal with deep frying a turkey? I've never heard yeah, of this. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a it's a cause of um, a huge number of ER burn treatments over the holidays. <laughs> uh, it's a very fad thing, but it is. It, it can be safely done, um, but you have to defrost your turkey to a certain point so that there's no hot cold reaction. Oh you have to, There's a lot of safety preparations to <clears throat> deep frying a turkey. So it exploding is very common, actually. Yeah. Um, so, like, nicely played uh, little plot bomb. <laughs> um, I, I like this choice. For FP's character. The choices that are made in this episode, I find very interesting. Yeah. I'm not upset about them. I mean, he's tried for a year to be a good cop, and now he's finally recognized that's systemically impossible. Because his mayor is a mafia boss anyway. Yeah, it's true. Can't beat him, join him. Like, that's an aspect of true to life that's terrifying. Mm. But here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it also puts him into this anti-hero territory again of being in play. And I love the building uh, relationship between FP and Match Dynamics. Uh, yeah. There's a, definitely a moment in the dialogue that I think is silly that I'm going to point out. But yeah. um, I, I just, like, where did their parents think they are? Did their parents are like, oh, great, the kids will leave so we can bone? They'll go bone and we'll bone. E yes. Also, where's Charles? <laughs> yes. Where's Jelly Bean? Also, that great ice cutter. Man, I haven't seen one of those. Like, even in a movie, and I watch some, like, old-fashioned movies and I'm a big dork. I haven't seen one of those in a long time, and they're great. Somehow Alice lives the 1940s ideal yep. life in now, the I mean, year 2019. <laughs> Excuse me. I really like that the adults got to talk. Mm -hmm. And they didn't talk about problems, and they didn't talk about the kids. They just live their lives. It's true. She, like, throws her shoes at him. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Everyone gets to just have a little fun before the dark hell mysteries happen to everybody. Dark hell mysteries. Why don't... Yeah. I love... Uh, I love that she's wearing a rooster, by the way, as her, like... <laughs> ah, yes, the thing we will eat. I will wear it glittering upon my breast. I am the cock of the walk. You don't need a rooster. Well, you know, adjacent. Roosters are gross. 
I mean, I don't know anything, but also, this is a great moment. Like, yep. the American dream is not allowed to happen in this house. I'm going to <laughs> rip it off the table. Veronica. If the American dream is worth anything, you did it in that moment. <laughs> Thank you. And what is this thing she's trying to do, this sister? She's just trying to piss Veronica off, I think. I mean, probably. I mean, she's playing the same game as Charles, it seems, and we know Charles is evil. Maybe it's I don't know if Hermosa. I don't know if Hermosa is evil. I wonder if Hermosa is is like long game trying to dislodge Hiram. Uh, Yeah, I'm here for it. But oh, this is a great moment. Spectacular shot, and this reaction of all three of them, the affront, is beautiful. Yeah, I also. want to know if they had to do that scene more than once mm. because that would be a really annoying thing to have to reset <laughs> over um, and over I'm... i did know i did notice that the poll was one shot and the reaction was one shot yeah so i feel like probably no but i mean every instinct every logistics instinct in me tells me that everyone on that set that day said you get one shot yeah and did not budge <laughs> Also, there's no faces in the actual take of her pulling it off. Yeah. So it's not like they had to get reaction shots. Exactly. I think they must have only done it once. That is yeah. what I hope for the props department. Props did not build two Thanksgiving dinners. Well, they did. Because there's also this one. Well, yes, but they... Another... Yeah, this one. Exactly. Yeah. They've already got 12. They don't need 13 yeah. as a backup. <laughs> yeah. To say nothing of that catering... Man, this dress on Cheryl, though. Oof. Woof. Great dress. I love the little streak of purple they've got mixed in with Tony's hair, too. Yeah. These are a well-dressed pair. So this episode, I remembered that Tony is a gang boss, and so is Cheryl. And Cheryl is a classic sugar don. And Tony (laughs) is um, a front-line lead from the front warrior captain sleuth. I mean, we've also had a conversation about how she's indigenous. How's she feeling on this Thanksgiving? (laughs) I'm just saying. There's an opportunity here. And, like, I kind of understand the writers of Riverdale not wanting to touch that because it's a big topic. And, like, they they probably don't have the people in the room to to dig into that much deeper. But I think it is worth noting not only is this a very different day for an indigenous (sighs) person, but boy, does she have a hellish Thanksgiving in addition. And cuddles. Yeah, single top bunk sex has to be, like, just very awkward. I was thinking through this whole episode, this is the one episode where things were courteously cut away, that one could have a sexual jughead be a true thing through this episode only, because every time they're seen smooching and cuddling and being cutesy, and there's obvious implied sex. Obvious implied sex. But in theory, they could be cuddling like crazy. In theory. Until that last video clip. I know, but he would get in trouble anyway for having his girlfriend in his dorm room. Oh, yeah, obviously. Even if they're just like. Even if no one's making illegal child porn of them. One hopes. Yikes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if everyone's thought out those implications. Yeah. We'll see. I thought this was going to be like they're related, they're father and son. Mmm. But it's not. It's Quill and Skull. Skull. Remember Griffins and Gargoyles? Similarly awkwardly named. I kind of like it. It stands out so clumsily. 
Yeah. It can't help but matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like a Dickensian name. These two cute little sleuths. They're great. I really like seeing them um, exercise their brains together. Yeah. Real hard this episode and play off of each other. So, by the way, I do not like the plot choices for Donna. We will come to that when it comes. Agreed. Agreed. Lots to talk about there. Um, Let's take a look at this through the lens of this is Betty's first crack at the mystery she's been watching for yeah, I loved, all the way, semester. Yeah, I love, the um The Frozen Pop set. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, that was a beautiful <laughs> piece of set work. Um, well done. Also, Hiram is wearing a fabulous coat, 10 out of 10, would wear. Yeah, okay. I, he gets points for style. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they dropped the other daughter off somewhere. <laughs> Forever. Oh, oh, they're playing Old Lang Syne over the loudspeakers at Pops. Uh-huh. I just noticed that. Awkward. <laughs> Should old acquaintance be forgot mm-hmm. for Old Lang Syne? Y'all remember high school? I love school. how both the men are like, oh, yeah, great. Oh, <laughs> no. This was just a really nice shot of Jughead. Um, he looked very youthful. And very... I liked... He's a good looking um, man. Oh, that's not what you meant. Okay. Well, well, yes, always. But in particular, um, the fact that we remember that that line read from Betty right there, that Lily Reinhardt like yeah, um, moment. Uh, these kids look like kids, even as they're sneaking off and sleeping with each other. I'm mm-hmm. this this episode let them be kind of cute young people a yeah, little bit more. That's true. In contrast to their parents being cute adults. Yeah. Like. Uh, for the first, maybe the first time in a while, I felt really grounded in the kids' age. This is, like, Horror. I, too, like, first Betty's of all, action is correct. A golf club is not quite as dangerous as an axe. Hit him again. Hit him again. Hit him again. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He got a scene with Lily Reinhardt out it's of it. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But that's just not a good idea, no, no, anyone. What did you expect? What did you do to him? Like, come on. These are the same idiots who locked him in a coffin and said, surprise, haha. What is, when is the bunny mask from, what is the I bunny don't. from? The scary bunny? I don't know. I, it's, it's, what is I don't that? know exactly, but it is a reference and trope of some sort. I also love, I like, like, um, Alice, sorry, Betty comes from a pretty privileged background, but she is, like, so over these more privileged people. She's like, well, what did you expect? Like, come here, I'll sew you back up, you know, kind of a thing. My mom is Alice Cooper. I took down a cult leader. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Uh, Betty has the life experience to back up her confidence in a way that the Stonewall <laughs> kids don't seem to. <laughs> yes, truly. Um. Truly. I enjoyed what aspect of Archie and Veronica's good intentions just straight up worked yeah. this episode. Like, of course we have this ridiculous plot, and this this felt the most hateful eight-ish yeah. to me, by far, because of um, her work in particular, because of uh, this um, angry mother, yeah. I think, providing a powerful uh, and believable and really lovely... Um, Tension and feud here. 
Yeah. I think I'm going to try looking this woman up again. Riverdale season four. Godspeed, IMDb. Help um, yourself some hot cider and hot chocolate. See, ooh, even... That is kind of making me hungry, actually. Archie is such a kid that he disarms this gang family. And that's an interesting thing we haven't really seen in a while either. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is great, by the way, that he's biting down on a belt and yep. she's just casually sewing him up. <laughs> and he has a flask that looks like the kind of flask my grandfather would own. <laughs> yeah, I I will say, really, really fun reaction shots coming out of Brett. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean gives so goofy faces real good. I was saying to Ryan, like, we, like, we've met Sean and we know that he's, like, a really pleasant, nice human, and whenever I see him on the show, I hate him. Yeah! Like, I'm just so mad at him. He's such an obnoxious jerk. <laughs> and he's so charming in real life. Yeah. No, no, he's a nice dude. <laughs> nice dude. Hate him on this, like, I mean, great performance. I hate him. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like him. He's the kind of man that makes me nervous. <laughs> That is who he's playing. Yeah. Quite well. Yeah. Creepy Brett. Giving a, <sighs> giving a great deal for uh, Jughead and Betty to play off of here, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it's really fun watching them sleuth out and snap this mode on. Because we've seen it so many times for the big plot. Uh, and this is for the big plot. But it's almost um, like this is how they fell in love. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like a, the most romantic date they could have. Yeah. And then also, this date. These outfits on Cheryl and Tony. Ugh. Also, Nana Blossom's in on everything, isn't she? Yeah, I also love that she's at the head of the table. <laughs> Nana Blossom is a chaos spirit. She's just living to burn it all down, I guess. Yeah. Relative or not, because is Cricket not related to her? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, given that their history, I also have cannibals in my wasp history. Like, like it's, it's pretty far for the course, to be honest. <laughs> it's just all part of it, you know. Dig too deep in family history, and it gets weird. There's some bigamy back there too. But that's the other side of the family. Mm. Bigamy's also got a long string of farmer yeah, settlers, as far as I know. Oh. Oh, they forgot about grandma. Sloppy writing. Yeah, sloppy writing. I want to see Monroe and... I forget his younger brother's name. I want to see their sweet grandma. (sighs) This smooth tension. The gun on the table. Yeah. Also, who's that random adult? Oh, that's a family member of hers, right? No, no. um, Well, we'll see if we cut back to him. (laughs) He's sitting with Veronica and um, Mm. Mary. Random community center person. So, maybe. <clears throat> so yeah, these three gangsters with grudge yeah, hoodlums. Wa- oh, I mean, they're wearing toques, so I assume they're being coded as homeless people. Yeah, that's shorthand in lazy. Yes. Lazy. Truly. Third AD quickie costume. I love these like frosted windows that like kind of hold the blue and everything's like really pink. Oh yeah, that's very cleverly done. Yeah. Very, very, very cleverly um, capturing the visual motif in a fresh way. Yeah. Like they, they, they're all kind of bathed in this very sympathetic light, which is funny for all the like nearly 
like very barb talking they're doing. Yeah, well this everything here is coached and said is a very reconciliatory uh meal. Yeah. Because of the hidden tensions. And parallel contrast to this this drinking game, uh this very pleasant young person's drinking game masking these heavy tensions. Um, even the pacing of, you know, where this is at in the, the episode. Reference the reference to episode one, well done. <laughs> the halfway building heightening tension here, uh, that is juxtaposed. <laughs> yeah, just sorry, I just noticed that he's wearing a Stonewall prep shirt. I just think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you the middle of making a point, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all, a, one long running point. It's, uh, the general effectiveness of this device, um, Four people trapped in a, a a mundane conversation that they're all using to suss out something unspoken, and yeah. every one of them is playing out an unspoken conversation here. Well, I also don't know why Betty and Jughead thought this was gonna work. Never have I ever been in a secret society. Clearly, they're not going to tell him it's a secret society. Oh yes, but I don't think they ever expected this to work. Yeah. Also, wouldn't Jughead be, like, like, I know he used to be a gang leader and blah, 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 but, like, a whole flask is a whole flask. <laughs> <laughs> also, did Betty just throw it out? Oh, and she put it on the chair. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's different. I feel like this is the point. What? Of their game, yeah. right? Also, it says something on that sign, D, I left your blah, 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 hmm. from Joan. I assumed it. Oh, I, it didn't strike me as important. Oh, set, yeah, I th- oh, Klimt, the kiss, has a... Uh, has We're really analyzing this lovely Don- set deck. Well, has Donna got some witchy stuff? She does. Look at that skull. <laughs> and there's the pin. I thought it said 12C. I thought it was going to be a room number or yeah. something. I mean, everything points to them covering up the man's suicide. And then they do... Indirectly. Yeah. Like, Betty and Jug accidentally hand them their alibi. To a degree. By oh. investigating and challenging the shallow alibis. What I liked about this scene, even though there's a, a questionable uh, plot point played out uh, at some points, um, is it really was a game of two teams. Yeah. Uh, interrogating each other. Very effectively and on yeah. several layers, playing a, a fairly also, complicated game. why is she saying this when his mother is literally sitting there? Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. I Darla. Mean, her name's Darla. The dark truth here is Mary Andrews is not as used to this stuff as her kids yeah. are. <laughs> that is true. Despite being, what, a criminal defense lawyer? She is less hardened than these Riverdale teens when it comes to active violence. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, she gets her taste. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I'm looking her up. I'm, I'm really <laughs> enjoying that the, the conflict here really seems to be, let's see if this charming kid could possibly be this brutal. That, like... The, the the tropey stereotype Archie reputation is sort of the the mask being explored here. And we all know what Archie's has and hasn't done, and that he didn't do this exact thing, but he's done plenty. 
Yes, he um, certainly has. Arguably, he called He's Hiram for the hit. Certainly has. Uh, indirectly, he is sort of the right target here, but it's it's interesting metatextual awareness that Archie's mask of the bright young kid doing good. Yeah. Uh, plays out this way. Yeah, I um, I I just don't understand why Mary doesn't like run up to her and knock her out of the way. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem... You know, I have that thought occasionally, but I I do think we ask a little... We ask a lot of functionally civilian characters sometimes. We want everyone to Molly Weasley it, and she does when the moment appears. Um, oh, she's in... She's in an episode of Buffy, and she was in... Um, oh, you know the her. Salt and sea. You know her from TV, not from days. theater, for once. Well, she's also in Twenty Eight Days. Yeah, a film. Yeah. But not from local theater, for once. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Azura Sky. Azura Sky. Azura. I don't, I don't. She looks a little like Deborah Kara Unger to me, so I wonder if that's why. Mm. Um. Slick move, Veronica. Ow! That's our. That's our gang boss, Veronica. Okay, we got we got like five gang bosses. Yeah. Um, one vigilante, who's been a capo. <laughs> and Betty, who is basically <gasps> Detective Rambo. Uh, yeah. Ow. Whew. That skewer coming out of the hand. Very oh. nice. Uh, very nice. Mary I, Andrews. I, very I, nice. I love that she quotes the law at them. Yep. It's the cutest lawyer thing. I'm obsessed. I love Veronica there. Yep. This one of you, Dirty Harry. <laughs> we are all Veronica in this moment. We all wanted Molly Ringwald to do exactly that. Yeah. And she was spectacular with it. She's kind of wearing a Mo- Molly Weasley-style dress. A little bit. I I feel like she did a great job of playing the, the reality of the character while still being the hero that we <laughs> all wanted her to be. Uh, yeah, I got I got teary schmoopy about the exploding turkey basically. Really? Uh, the line about uh, it always being Fred's thing Aww. clicked for me and then came back and I felt schmoop. I have I have never drunk rum neat ever. I've drunk vodka neat, I've drunk gin neat, I've never drunk rum neat ever. I think it's one of those really good rum. Things. Just like good tequila, uh, you yeah, can or sip. Good whiskey. Yeah, fair enough. It's one of those we haven't had the right. We haven't had someone introduce us to the right rum. Well, we need Harms rum. Yes, evidently. We need Cuban friends, wealthy, wealthy Cuban friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, God, I really wanted him to just kill Hiram so bad. The you know this was a lovely tension because that was on the table. And it was lovely seeing FP, rem- the show, remember FP's whole life and complexities. He's been doing a lovely job at being the sheriff and sticking within those constraints. But, uh... Ah, the break n- of candy glass. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Now his boss is a mob boss. <laughs> and- I can't believe Alice isn't like, just do him in. <laughs> just, just kill him. Yeah, she's she's murdered she's murdered lesser men this year. Yes, it's true. (laughs) 
With the FBI's blessing. Yeah. Actually, she's murdered greater men in some ways. <laughs> um, I love that little Jason has like a little pie. I love, Sorry. so I didn't know what to make of this Hamlet style Titus Andronicus. Factor. Titus Andronicus. Yeah, Sorry, I felt, what did I say? No, Hamlet? I felt the Hamlet too. The we'll put on a pantomime. Oh, I yeah, absolutely it, felt yes, the Hamlet. That is exactly what I meant. Definitely. Yeah. Titus and then they swept into deep Titus Andronicus. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure they were bluffing, and that was actually kind of great. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, truly. We've established a whole new norm for what's normal in the Blossom residence. Like, yeah. maybe this is maybe this is just the long term of, if we watch Inside Blossom Life long enough, this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I love how Nana Rose hasn't eaten anything either. Like, she's just like, <laughs> the world, Ugh, annoying. Stomach's groaning so loud. And I'm amazed that we've had no, we've never seen a scene in which in which Nana Rose is scheming or collaborating with them. Yeah. We're never quite sure where she's at, and they're never yeah. letting us know. Well, we do know that she loves Cheryl. Like, she tries mm. to get to the phone when Penelope's out to call Tony to tell her where Cheryl is. Yes, you're right. You're right. She's had agency. <laughs> yes. Like, we, but we, they don't quite play out how fully she's on Cheryl's side, I guess. Um, and so she has this mystique to her. Yeah, but like that's true. I, I like to believe that she's fully in on every aspect of this plot, and has approved. Hi, my brother Julian in the womb. <laughs> what is happening with this creepy doll? I'm like so over it. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a Disney talking animal sidekick now. That's yeah. my read on it. Just a ring. This, <laughs> this little bit actor is so well cast. He looks so like. What is, what's he got on his uh, sweater? Sweater. Like little horses? Let's see when he's next close. They're all Christmas green and reds. Yeah. I, yeah, I was, right up through, I was not sure they weren't serious. Yeah. Also, I love how she says cannibalism is a crime in this state. Like, murder isn't? Levels. I guess you need the murder and to also not be in jail to take the stolen family goods from the murderer. And then they play this card. Yeah. Oh my. You know... I think it's odd that they they choose to show them the corpse in this way. It's quite an intimidation tactic. Yes. (laughs) I would have thought that they would like... Use Bedford and Jason's corpses to, like, be scary and then get them to never come back. You know, this is much more visceral. This doesn't depend on any supernatural or haunting. This is literally, we will cut you up and feed you to your family if you cross us. That's some kind of gang power show. And, you know, they didn't even do the evilest parts. Nah, it's true. So I'm taking it as a win. I tried to cover up a murder. Like, why, what do you, makes you think they are going to tell you anything? In, it's an interrogation Like, tactic. this is better. 
like, you well, just think you're so cool, blah, 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 blah. Like, eventually, even Brett would crack under something like that. I'm sure of it. <laughs> or maybe he's just a sociopath and he never cracks. It's, um, what I like about the sequence is we see Betty and Jughead play a buddy interrogation dynamic quite explicitly, quite intentionally, and we see it snap on and snap off as they step into this conversation and as yeah. they separate. Uh, what I what I like is that they don't explain and spell out uh, this game that these, these this very sleuthy, clever game these two are playing. Mm-hmm. It's just let, it's left to play out as a, as a lovely cinematic puzzle. Yeah. Um, and it's quite well played out, I think, I found. Yeah. So I don't like this. I'm going to, I'm going to say why I don't like this. Um, because if it's not true, um, this suggests that women lie about this sort of thing, which Mm -hmm. I don't think is a safe thing for like a big show to do in the present climate. I don't think that's safe. Um, and, or it's real. How are they going to handle it? Probably not that well. (laughs) And I'm worried. (laughs) Or we never touch it again, and it's hand-waved away, which is also a bad. Yeah. Yep, I also didn't like this plot point. Um, false accusations are troubling territory. Yeah, um, that's Accusations of teacher-student uh, relations. And any resurgence of that subject on this show. Yeah. With Dead Grundy. Oh, yeah. Sketch, oh, sketch. Oh, God, I forgot about Grundy. As should we all. Uh, um, uh, so I'm with you. So this thing where she says, where's the rule that says you can't be both? And uh, hello, like, Lady M. I would never have thought of that. Like, of course, of course you would have thought of that. No, FP's a dumbass. Well. FP's a loving, sweet, smart puppy dog who's loyal and will do whatever it takes. Have you seen Jughead's mother? I guess so. Put Alice Cooper and Gladys Jones in a room together. It's just so... I don't know. F.P. has a type. He likes Lady Macbeth's. It's true, he does. Mm-hmm. He's very good, but <sighs> he does best when told... When given some direction and guidance. <laughs> Gosh, mm. these two. What an... I can't even say Tony get out anymore because... Well, Tony's in. Tony's still get out, though. I guess there is that small detail of you accidentally murdering someone, but it was sort of in self-defense. It was, but she's a black indigenous woman with no fixed address. I and don't know. Mary Andrews He's a wasp with money in a name who is in his family home where she, though she technically lives, has no legal standing. I wouldn't even trust F.P. Jones to process that one. I don't know. Mary Andrews. Mary Andrews, be Tony's lawyer. Get Tony out! Legal emancipation for the teens of Riverdale. You know what? They're in this. They're they're a gang of their own. Yeah. I'm just riding this roller coaster now. And then they're kind of cute kids again, Jughead and Betty, and I like that. Yeah, they're eating all that junk food. Yeah. I think that's cute. And, yep, both in feeling and tone and Betty's suspicions, everything hints that something's not right about this affair Stop thing. calling it an affair. It's, it's not an affair. 
Yes, thank you. Not, not you, sorry. The, that, show. the show. Yes. Um, rape, sexual assault. It's not an affair. Statutory rape. It's not an affair. Rar. Anyway. Horrible abuse of power. Yeah. Anyway. Jughead and Betty are cute here. Um, They're cute teenagers being adorable. Yes. Also, it's not really Jughead's place to, like, go and tell the headmaster about it. Yeah. I mean, the murder plot. Yes, maybe. Really cute, like, action reaction shots here, too. But now, what the heck is Brett doing? Making a video of them presumably having sex. Where's Grandma? I, so, I don't like religion in shows that aren't overly religious. I don't Mm. love it. Fair. I find it irritating. I broadly respect that it's part of a social norm that appears in enough uh, traditions and families that they didn't linger too hard on it. Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't have missed it, but I also recognize it would have pinged as ingenuous for many people. Um, it just, I mean, she does say we were never a particularly religious household, but, like, Fred asked us to say grace, like, seems like a very... Yeah. Associate traditions. Yeah. And there is a lot of Archie is taking on his dad's traditions. Yeah. Maybe I am hungry. That this. food looks very good. <laughs> also... Have you had breakfast, Chloe? Oh, yeah. I had breakfast. Good, good. I had breakfast with you. Had... Oh, yeah, you had your bagel. My bagel with cream cheese. This is, like, clearly... Not gonna have a human in it. We monitor our patients very closely. FP. <gasps> Reaction shots. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how much time and range FP got here. I really enjoyed uh, Skeet Ulrich's work this episode. Yeah. Um, him and Match and Amic were delightful scene partners. Yeah, were cute. delightful scheming partners. Cute, cute, cute. I loved seeing them come into play as, as like, mid-level players in whatever this game is going on as well. Um, I think it's really, really important that we're seeing FP as a plot player, given his role in the Flash Forwards Mm -hmm. that we've gotten so far. Mm -hmm. Um, The more involved he is, the more there is to work with with what that could possibly be. And the more meat there is to chew There we go. Thanks, Brett. All the awful things Chipping did to her. Thank you, Brett. Didn't think I was going to say that, but thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly, Angle shot lighting scene too like very different vibe but stepping aside from the 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 problematic plot point um i really loved watching jughead and betty apparently win but completely lose at their own detective game and i loved this shot of betty's new kill wall yeah this tells me and sets up for the rest of the season that Betty has entered the game in the main plot. Betty has the scent of the real plot now. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from this episode that I really loved as yeah. far as pacing, as far, far as plot payoff and build up intention. And this adorable scene with Mary. That is the strangest Thanksgiving I have ever had. I pointed a gun at a woman. Welcome to Riverdale, Mom. <laughs> fried turkey i just don't know about that <laughs> i mean it sounds super, good yeah 
Yeah. I haven't had a turkey. I haven't had a turkey dinner in a while. It is very often dry. Yes. It is very what, easy. What, the fried one? Or no, no, the... regular turkey. Oh, yeah, I guess like, so. Like, it's very, very easy to dry out your white meat if you don't baste or uh, go through some other me- method of, of greasing or oiling. Yeah. Um, deep frying is particularly good for uh, really in- inundating it with that grease yeah. and keeping all the juices in. Um, so you do get right, a very moist, sense. juicy, fatty turkey in a deep fryer. Yeah. But it is dangerous and it can explode. Kevin is there for a second. <laughs> get get your money, Cody Cot. Yeah. <laughs> get get your get your feature fees for that extra scene. Yeah. If you be here at cut lines, who knows? Reggie too. Yeah. Get your money. Get your money. This is a nice nice sentiment. Um I wasn't expecting this much sentiment in this episode mm. and I thought it was surprisingly effective. Um, comfortably resolving in many ways the presence of, um, Fred Andrews. Yeah. Uh, whereas I felt like we resolved the, the, the presence of, um, of the performer with episode one. I thought that was much more in memoriam for, um, for the actor than it really was the character. Right? The first episode, yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. And this is a bit more for the character. Like, this is a natural sort of sequel to, like, a character losing their dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A very different stroke of closure. Yeah. And, totally. uh, but quite complimentary. I'm always pleased <laughs> to see shows, especially serial shows, running serial shows, uh, explore grief more than once. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think... It, it's an unfortunate consequence of a lot of our narrative structures that grief is not often portrayed with the sort of longevity yeah. that I think is can is truthful. Um, Ooh, pardon the vacuum your... cleaner of my neighbor that might be uh, picking up on the mic. I think that's our clue to start wrapping things up. My yeah. neighbor's cleaning loudly. <laughs> um, anyway, longevity of what? Of grief. Something emotional. Wow, I think that's a weed whacker, actually. <laughs> outside. Is it? Oh no, that's a vacuum. That's a vacuum. Coming to you live from um Cleanliness. So my only complaint about I guess my big complaint about this episode is mm. that I um I I it feels a bit like the episodes in season two that I don't want to say felt like filler, but mm. felt like like, we're going on just some crazy ride, and we don't know what it is. Mm. And it wasn't, like, part of the main plot. And this is the time when I miss the eight-episode season one. Oh, see, I, I saw everything in today, every single thing in today, as being a plot. Oh, okay. I actually think everything in today's episode was tying us directly into the season plot. So... I, okay. I, with that perspective, I can see why you didn't like it as much. Um, I'm curious which of us is yeah. on point with that read. So we have a hiatus episode next week of some variety. We yeah. are not sure what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, we will let you know. It may be a brief check-in and recap and analysis, or we'll see if we have the stamina to get you something a little special. I've got, uh... Another touring uh, show with Geekenders this weekend. I'm up in Mission this weekend. So, Fabulous. If you're in Mission, go see the Geekenders show. Mischief Managed. We're sold out. 
Oh, never mind. Don't go see it. Ah, no. Feel sad that you can't see it. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Great. Anyway, gang, uh, till next week, I'm Ryan. I'm Chloe. This has been the Riverdale Gang. Take care.